Alright, shit fits, welcome back to another episode of Cut Shit Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Mashevsky, and this episode with Frank Nash is about to begin. I am super pumped, as always, because Frank, I've been following his work since probably I got into the industry, and he has created one of the best gyms, I think, in America when it comes to community. And this is one facet that most people don't think about when it comes to successful weight loss or anything when it comes to fitness and health. Your environment 100% dictates your success rate. By finding a gym that you feel like you belong to and you found your tribe, you're going to see some amazing change in your life. So without further ado, here's Frank Nash. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me for the first time, a legend, Frank Nash. Say hello. Last time, I heard. Sorry, you cut out. <laughs> Say that again. Okay, I said I said first time, hopefully not the last time. Okay, there you go. Um, so I like to start the show with easy, easy questions. So the first easy question is, what do you got planned for the weekend? Oh, man, for the weekend, I'm hoping to catch up on Game of Thrones. I haven't watched the last three episodes. Oh, geez. And I've been trying to, like, avoid any, po- any post. Anyone mentions, once someone uh, utters the word game, I'm like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so I'm going to catch up on the last three weeks. That's That's my goal. Yeah, like, Game of Thrones this season has been, like, just nuts. Just nuts. And I was the same boat as you, like, when the first two episodes came out. I, did, <laughs> I didn't watch them. And then all my Facebook and every social media thing was just filled with Game of Thrones shit. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to stop reading any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I love those people that can't help themselves. They don't want to spoil it, but they give all these little hints. Yeah. I'm like, dude. <laughs> Don't be a creep, man. Like, shoot, it's kind of like with the Avengers. There's yes. always that person that wants to spoil the ending. I'm like, oh, man, I heard China came out of a – completely gave up the ending to Avengers, and he got his ass kicked. Yeah. Like, the, the fans outside just <laughs> jumped him. I, I heard about that. And like... I'm like, I mean, he's lucky he's, he didn't get stabbed. He's like, <laughs> I, I would have jumped in and stomped him too. I'm like, dude, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Jeez. All right. So the next easy question is what is your biggest pet peeve in everyday life and in the fitness industry and why? Oh, my God. Uh, geez, I have I have a book on this, brother. So uh, my, my biggest pet peeve. Oh, really? My, my biggest pet peeve is 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 just it, it's an attendance issue. People not showing up on time. It is the single biggest lack of respect thing you can do is just not showing up when you're supposed to. Like if for, I'll say you're a client and your appointment's at eight. Can you please show up on time? It's super disrespectful showing up late. You just mess up the flow. If you're an employee, I don't want you to walk in with a coffee 10 minutes late and tell me there was a line at Dunkin Donuts. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> uh, you, you can, you can, you can learn about someone about their attendance. And, and, and when you, show, are you prepared? So those, that's my biggest pet peeve just in life. Now my biggest pet peeve in the, uh, the fitness industry this because you talk to a lot of folks there's too much everyone hides behind their their computer and their in their instagram and facebook and there's this facade of who they really are and that's not their business not who they are man there needs to be less of that and more actual coaching 
Like we need to get back as coaches and trainers as just get your tail in the gym and just work with people. Make especially challenge them for God's sakes. There's not a lot of that. There's a lot of internet celebrities or people who think they're celebrities and, and it's just bad in the fitness industry. Everyone's trying to find the biggest hook, how to get the most men at a gym. When at the end of the day, dude, you and me, we could open a garage loading dock bay and have one kettlebell and, and just explode with our busyness because we're just driving people to results and just coaching, man. We're great coaches. We need to get back to that. We got to make coaching great again. Yeah. Cause I find like there was a certain point in time, maybe it was like four or five years ago where like online coaching became so popular and everyone moved in that direction to a point where like newer coaches that never stepped into a gym and actually worked with people started doing it too. And like recently I just got a new online client and she has like harsh shoulder issues, like some really messed up stuff. And her last online coach still gave her lateral raises and overhead pressing. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> why? Yeah, like, yeah, because yeah, she's a, she's, a, she's a bodybuilder, right? She needs to do lateral raises. Yeah, right? it just makes no sense. Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, the industry is absolutely, it's it's crazy, man. It is it is nuts. The uh, And also, as, as trainers, I'm just going to keep going with these pet peeves. Another pet peeve is I can't tell you how many gym owners and owners who claim this all they do is, is show selfies and before and after pictures of themselves. So <laughs> in their mind, check this out. In their mind, their their message to the world is this. Look what I find. Look what I find. Or it's I finally got my shit as a trainer and I, I finally got to come with me. Let your member speak for you. Like, show me a before and after. I'm your member. Let them tell you what you did for them instead of you telling me what you're going to do for me. It's crazy. It is so backwards and crazy. It blows. Sometimes I'm on Instagram and I start scrolling and I get a nosebleed. My <laughs> hemorrhaging, like total recall. Schwarzenegger, total recall. But he's breathing in that Mars air. My eyes start bulging. <laughs> oh, man. Like, ah. Yeah, seriously. Um, so the next easy question is, what is the current book you're reading or listening to? Oh, well, I'm, I'm a podcast guy. Okay. I, mean, I listen to uh, Bill Barr all the time. Those are my two favorite. They're easy, easy listens. They're both funny guys, and, and, and they're they're like Northeast guys, so I kind of get their humor. All right, Try this, this again. sounds smoother. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can just start over. Um, like I'll, I'm able no, to. True, though, this is this is your thing, man. Totally up to you. I I can edit it because like I'm I'm okay. pretty good with it, so we can literally just go into the next question, which is. Oh, great! Yeah, honestly, it's gonna be fine. Um, so next question: Can we get a little intro of who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry in the first place? Okay, no, no. I mean, I do a lot of different things. Um, for example, I I own two clubs in Massachusetts, two training clubs. And we've been open since 2002. Our first club opened in 2002, so we've been we've been doing this a long time. And we just opened our our second club. It's a training club. Uh, everyone runs on an appointment. The heart and soul of what we do is uh, strength training. So that's that's our niche. Is it's it's uh, opposed to some other, whether it's franchises or gyms which just run classes. It's personal training, but people just share time. So there are progressions, regressions, and the heart and soul of what we do, man, is you got to at some point in your life disrobe yourselves of this of some of these inferior forms of exercise and just pick some heavy shit up and press it over your head um so that's the heart and soul of what we do we live 
and breathe by our logo, which is the five finger death punch of fitness, you got to have a good attitude. You got to have optimal nutrition. You got to strength train. You got to fill in those nutritional gaps with supplements and you got to be held accountable through a coach and strong community. So that's my, my gym business. I'm also a partner in a company called dot fit, which is a dietary uh, support company, which has been around for eons. It started as nutrition analysis in the early nineties evolved into apex, which was in every 24 hour fitness around the globe before apex sold. And now dot fit is, uh, is, is just an evolution of those brands. So I'm a partner in, in, in dot fit as well too. I also am a, uh, a founder of what's called the secret trainer society. Uh, Rick Mayo and myself founded this company of just small club owners like myself, which share best practices. I hate to use the word mastermind, but, but it's just successful club owners sharing best practices. And I'm really, really good at basket weaving. <laughs> nice. Um, so how did you get into the industry in the first place as well? Totally by accident. I got into the <laughs> industry totally by accident. Literally was a, a guy at a, at a division three football school that really just needed a place to work out. We, for some reason, we had no weight room, you know, at a, here we are, you know, local college, no weight room. The nearest gym was, was a 5,000 member gold's gym at the time. Again, we're talking 1998 and I just needed a place to work out. And luckily they, they let me come in, use the gym for free while I racked weights and clean toilets. And you're not going to believe this, but within six months of me starting in a gym of 5,000 members, all six trainers in the gym either got fired or left. Now, not only that, our head trainer at the time overdosed in the gym and was taken out on a stretcher. Jeez. So here we are. Here's this club in 1998, which when big box clubs were booming and you know, 5,000 members, now zero trainers. So they look around and they see, you know, back then, if you were to be a trainer, you just have to be in shape, you know? So they, <laughs> Hey, that guy's in shape. He plays football. Let's get you certified. So overnight, uh, they sent me to, uh, to a NASA certification. I got certified through apex nutrition as well too. And I, I could have been blind handicapped. I could have been, you know, I could have an IQ of five and I would have been successful. It was literally like shooting fish in a barrel because if you were in that club and you wanted help, you had to, you had to pick me because I was the only option. Now, because of that, I got a lot of reps, man. At an early age as a personal trainer, I got a lot of reps. I would say within a, uh, within two years of that, I had 150 clients by accident. Again, here we are, one trainer, 5,000 members. And I just decided, hey, let me just get my own space. So I just cut out the middleman, which was the gym at the time. I looked around. I knew that most of my clients, if not all of them, only came to the gym on the days they had training appointments with me. So what were we doing? Let's just cut out the middleman. Let me just rent a, a loading dock, which I did, 600 square feet, and let's just do this. You just pay me, forget your gym membership, and we'll just do that. And they did, and it just worked. I mean, I, when we moved, when I decided to do my own thing, um, I would say 99% of the members came with me. I didn't lose. I, I think I lost one person. They were leaving anyway. I think they were moving to Austria or something. But, yeah, it was totally, totally by accident. And then I would say at least three or four years into me actually running my business, I go, I should probably do this for a living. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, you know I, maybe, maybe I should do this. It still wasn't clear, though, until then because I, I, never, I never stopped to think about it. Jeez. There was no, there was no, there, there was no plan at all. Yeah. 
Um, so now I'm kind of curious, like, because I've had a lot of people like you on the show where they kind of come back from like an athletic background and now they're working with general population. So my question always is like, with your background always kind of being fit and athletic, like how did you connect yourself with, you know, the general population where they've never touched a dumbbell or even a barbell or even played a sport? Like how do you kind of form that connection to kind of understand them and yeah, have that empathy? My, that's a great, that's a great question. And uh, my, my, my story is, is a little bit different where like, like most guys who had an athletic background and you train in college and you realize how important training for athletic performance is. You actually could see and feel the results on the field. It's great. I mean, that's amazing. And almost, you know, I want to do this for another athlete. I want them to feel what I felt. So most of us end up going into the world wanting to train professional athletes. And training the general population is so much more gratifying. I mean, that's those are real results, man. You know, getting someone to to to, to do something they never that that we take for granted. Like when someone says something that we consider trivial. I, you know, I was able to walk up the stairs holding a, a basket of laundry. Like you, we kind of think we take that for granted and like, wow, I mean, that's like, that's like life changing because that's something I think everyone should do. So in terms of, of moving the needle with someone, you can move the needle a lot better with the general population and see better results. And the autonomy is a lot better too, opposed to a pro athlete. I'm just trying not to get you hurt. I mean, like <laughs> I, I'm not going to get I'm, if LeBron James was my client. I'm really not looking to make him faster or stronger or jump higher. I mean, he's got that. I don't, I just, I'm probably, I, I don't want to train him because I don't want to hurt him. That's my job. So my, my story is a little different where I, I found out at a, at an early age that I wasn't really getting any community or um, let's just say the emotional support I needed from my family because my mom and dad weren't around, you know, it was just me and my brother. I, I found out that I was drawn to sports primarily not because I liked the sport. It was just community. You know, I automatically, I had a hundred, you know, brothers and brothers and sisters. I had a, uh, a coach, I had parents and I was really drawn to that. And when I opened my, when I started training and opened my gym in a way, I kind of created my own family and it, it filled the void for the family I didn't have growing up. So it was never about, the money. It was never about training people. I found out more. It was about me creating a community that, and fitness was just a vehicle. So let's just say if I opened up a hardware store, it would be a family run hardware store. <laughs> I would have workshops, you know, teaching people how to make, you know, wood train sets just to build community. No, and I love that. And I think that's where like a lot of general population kind of miss it. Cause like, you know, they decide to like, Oh, I'm going to get healthy. I'm just going to go join the big box gym down the street that, you know, golds, fitness world, whatever it is, like the big names. But if you go into the smaller boutique kind of places where they kind of develop that community and tribe, that's where you're actually going to see life-lasting results. I tell you, that's the future of, of our fitness industry is is making your club. I mean, even some of the big box guys are trying to mimic what we do so well as, as you know, as small clubs is we develop that community and we do thrive to make it that third place outside of work, outside of home. Uh, every member has just yay amount of expended income and they're going to spend it somewhere, whether it going out to eat the movies, uh, country club, make them spend it with you. And it's far beyond the X's and O's of exercise. It's, it makes them feel good and they want to be around their peeps. No, definitely. And like another question I wanted to bring up too, like, 
your energy is so out there. It's like making me want to get like trained by you. Right. So I'm kind of <laughs> curious, like, where does that energy come from? Like, or did you try to develop it? Did you grow up as always like that outgoing person or were you kind of an introvert when you first came into this world? I, I am 1000% an introvert and, okay. and it's just, it's almost like when I'm home, when I'm off, I'm off, I'm down. I'm like, it's funny. I think most trainers are like this, but when, when I'm talking to someone or I'm in my club, it's all about the energy. And, and you know, this members and I get talking to club owners or anybody, their energy, their, their energy succubuses, they will suck the life out of you. So you have to put forth so much energy that you drown them in it. But also most of the people I work with or, or most club owners work with, they don't like working out. Let's be honest. I mean, that's why they hired us. <laughs> so when they come into the club, they don't always have the best attitude. They don't always have the best energy. Why would they? They're about to be sore and get to rest kicked by, by some trainer that's going to patronize them, tell them they're doing a good job when they're really not. So you've got to be on fire because just by you having good energy, it's contagious. It will bring their energy up. Then it makes your life and job easier. But I tell you what, man, that's in every walk of life. If your energy's better, it's contagious. The person opposed you, will, opposite of you, will 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 start mirroring you, and it makes your conversation and life easier. It's all about the energy. So do you so, like? But 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 one step further. A lot of times, I'll be honest. I'm not always like this. There are days where I'm tired, tired. I didn't sleep. I'm stressed out. But you got to fake it to make it. You have to. Nobody. My clients don't care that I didn't sleep last night. I mean, yeah. let's go, man. Let's go, dude. <laughs> No, like I'm, I'm the same way. Like I'm an introvert at heart, but like the moment I step on the gym floor with clients, like I got to give my hundred percent effort. So then they feel like, okay, this is not as bad as I thought. I can do this whole hour and get my ass kicked. Yeah, essentially, right. Right. So again, you're, you're on stage. You're a rock star. Man. Yeah. So like now I'm kind of curious, like with all the new coaches that you bring on to your gym, like, cause obviously they're kind of like intimidated. They're brand new to the field. Like how do you kind of teach that or do you kind of just it does it come with time like how do you help it, a new coach with that it, i'll be honest energy can be taught um, okay it's much it's but it's like anything you can you can overcome any obstacle it's going to be a lot harder if you come in and you're a shy quiet person we can we can break you out of your shell it's going to take you a long time and i, I tell people that from the get-go uh, i'll i legit will have a timeline i'll say it's probably going to take you a good year before you're a good coach. But if you come in and you already have that swag, you're already spitting fire, you have the gift of gab, you, you can, I can get you rocking and rolling in three weeks. But it's uh, it's not for everybody. If, if, if you're shy, if you're timid, if you don't have a good coaching voice, you will not thrive in this industry. I'm sorry. Um, you, you, you would have to do so much work. It would take you so long that I'm not sure it would be even worth it. And I think also, like, picking a gym where you decide to work, like, their environment, not just for the members, but also for the employees, is huge. So, for, like... Oh, so, it's everything. Yeah. For, like, so many years, I worked at a gym where, like, I liked being with the employees, but the owners wouldn't allow you to really, like, thrive as a human being in a sense where, like, if you tried to show your true colors, they would, like, kind of, like do a couple jabs to make fun of you. And then you kind of felt kind of like to yourself. Right. But now I'm at this gym where literally anything I bring in or wear or do, they're like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And I'm like, hell yeah. Now I could actually be myself. So not only well, for like, the, yeah. If, from a, just from a business standpoint, 
the members want you to be yourself. Yeah. They want you to come in on St. Patrick's Day wearing a leprechaun outfit yeah. and, 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 and doing crazy stuff. They want you to come in on, on Cinco de Mayo pouring margaritas. They want stuff like that. Yeah. And, and to squander that is, is not fair. It's not fun, man. And it, it will hurt your business in the long term. So the other thing I wanted to kind of get into is like when you started opening up your own place, like what was that transition time in your head? Like, were you kind of scared or right off the bat? You're like, no, I know what I'm doing. This is what's going to happen. Like, what was that whole process like? Well, when I opened my first gym, that was in 2002 and I was working at a big box club, a gold's gym. My first gym was small. It's and, and, and I say this with all honesty to the listeners the 600 square foot facility I opened for $10,000 back in 2002, it it probably wouldn't make it today because it's a different customer. So there was no uh, there was no fear because it only cost me 10 grand, and you know I was so young. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Like I go work at another gym. It, it, there was really no risk. I didn't own a house yet. I wasn't married, had no kids. There was no layers. So for me, there, there absolutely was no risk. But I, I mean this with all honesty. In, in our industry, you've got to be two things at once all the time. You have to be fearless and scared to death every single day. You have to be living on the edge, and you have to keep driving and doing what other people aren't doing. You have to push the needle. It, it, so it, to, to anyone that's going to open up a gym, if it ain't scary, you ain't doing it right, especially now with all the competition. In 2002 when I opened – I had two competitors. I had a YMCA and I had a Gold's Gym. Now, within 15 miles, I have 48 competitors. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. So you, you, you have to be scared to death and you've got to be fearless. And, and you hit on a great point of you've got to be a little weird. You've got to be fun. It's the third place. You can't be a boring gym that just drives exercise. Nobody wants that. Yeah, like I always bring up the um, point to like all the coaches at my uh, gym, um, like Mark Fisher, like he's like the epitome of like being yourself and people like that because they kind of feel to themselves like, oh shit, this guy's weird. I can be weird too. This yeah. is this is a safe place. <laughs> the 100%. And, and first and foremost, listen, we have to deliver results. We have to drive fitness. We know that. But just as important, we are in the entertainment business. As, as much as as much as it hurts me to say that being a strength coach at heart, we're in the entertainment business. If you're boring, if your gym's boring, if you're just you know driving results, you will not succeed. You got to be fun. You got to be cool. It has to be a place where where people and their friends can hang out too. That's where we thrive. No, hundred percent. The one thing I wanted to bring up too is like looking at all the photos of your gym is just like amazing. Like I love all the color schemes and everything like that. So I'm kind of curious. Like, right, thank you. <laughs> how did you like come up with that, or did you like hire a designer and you guys kind of collaborated? Oh, I definitely hired a designer to uh, to collaborate with. On the fact where I don't know, I don't know where to get any of that shit. You know, I'm not a, I'm a I'm a dumb trader, but I've always been a creative person, and I I legit said okay. I want someone to walk into my gym and, and it feel like a place they've never been before. I want it to feel like they stepped into another planet, into the movie Tron. Um, that's what I want them to feel like, that no matter where they go after this, nothing will ever be the same. And that was, that was what I tried to go. And, and, and when I created my gym, my, my rebrand, I really thought of it as, let me create a stage, a movie set, and every member is the star of the movie. 
So let's just do it. Let's put the lights on. Let's get the music cranking. Let's get the beats bumping, all the charm of all the trainers. And let's, let's just make it awesome. You know, and that, that's been my thing forever. Let's just make it awesome and you'll start making some money. Just make it awesome. Make it fun. Make it cool. Make it a memorable place. Everything, everything counts. Yeah, because like it's amazing because it almost looks similar to the gym I'm at, but like we have eight thousand square feet and we have a gym, a spin studio, and a yoga studio. And our like spin studio is literally like a nightclub. Like the sound system in there is like, what would you go to like downtown for a club? And like I remember when the sound guys were putting it together and they were so excited to show it off to us that the. The people upstairs, because we're on the bottom floor, and it's an accounting firm, they thought there was, like, an earthquake <laughs> happening. So now we have to, like, put, a, like, a dial set where it can't go t- past a certain oh, volume. Man. But, like, people absolutely love it. Like, just yeah. love it. Yeah. You're selling energy, brother. Yeah, honestly. So like... when, we go, when, we, uh, when we got our sound system installed, we had the, the guys who did the installation, well, Bose, from uh, they nice. did the same guys that did the installation for Gillette Stadium. And and they came in. They're like, like just so you know, you can be able to hear the stereo system a mile away. You know that, right? I'm like, yes. I want to. I want. I want to shake their souls. <laughs> oh, big time. Yeah, like uh, even on our gym side, like same thing. Huge sound system, and we just like blare rap music with no filters. And we've yeah, never man. we've never had a complaint because like sometimes when I see like a brand new person like Sally Sue, mom of three. And I'm like, oh shit, she's gonna like say something with DMX blaring, but absolutely loves it. <laughs> like, absolutely loves it. Yo, I learned this a long time ago. If if leadership, you know, whether an owner, a manager, a coach, if everyone's into it, the members are into it. No, hundred percent. Always, always. Hell, I could put on, you know, it, it, let's just say like my members weren't into country. If you pull them, I could come out, coach, put nothing but country on, and they would love it because <laughs> I'd be into it then they're going to be into it. I mean, it's simple, man. And anytime there's ever a complaint, usually it's a communication breakdown, man, in the gym yeah. where one of the staff isn't really into it and they don't know how to communicate it, but it's all good, man. Uh, it all works, and it, but it really is being authentic. You need to be authentic in this industry. You, you can't just say, you can't just watch strength coach TV and say, Oh wow. You know, that gym looks cool. Let me copy that. Yeah. That's never going to work, man. And I think, like, it's small stuff like this, but it adds up over time because, like, when we opened August of last year, we had 80 members, and now we're at 600. Like, it grew really fast because it it's attractive to other people. Like, a friend talks about how my freaking gym's blurring DMX, and then I'm, like, at a techno concert in a spin room, and then I do yoga after. It's, like, it's just crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like you said. It's 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 amazing entertainment. It's the third place. It, it it it's really about you know making that community thrive, and it starts with leadership, man. It starts with you guys. And obviously, you, I, I would love to say that your gym is just magical, but it, it wouldn't be that way without you guys. Yeah. So now I'm kind of curious, like for you, like do you have like a business partner, or is it just you solo running the just show? Just me. Just me run the show. Wow. Okay. Boom. Yep. That's pretty good because I know like a lot of other gym owners will have like the complete opposite business partner to them where, you know, like someone like you with like this huge energy and personality and then they have like a business partner that's like systems and I'm on my laptop all day type of thing. So that's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I never really wanted a partner because I, I just feel like when I want to make a decision, I want to make it just because I know it would work. Um, I, and, and honestly, all that other stuff I don't think is that difficult, the systems and stuff. I'd say the hard part really is the culture, man. That's yeah. the hard part. And both, all the gyms I've ever been into, if there's anything lacking, man, it's it's culture. It's energy, man. I can tell you right when I walk in a gym, I'm like, this gym sucks. Because the music's low, the front desk person's slouching, they're not smiling, they're on their phone. That's that is no way to run a run a business, any business. It's all we're selling energy, man. So for me, I've always been the energy guy. I've always been the the visionary, and all the other stuff I, I think is is easy. It's just driving that culture and making sure that when a decision has to be made, you make it in the best interest of of the members. So when you first started hiring, like, the first couple of coaches at your gym, like, how did you know that they would be able to kind of take your vision and your culture and transfer that over? That, that's an easy answer. I, I knew because they were members. Oh, and, okay. And, and, and as members, I mean, you could tell they, they, they live and breathe your culture already. They, they just assume that you're the expert. They will do whatever you say in terms of programming, exercise. They've gone through the program. So who better to teach than someone who actually has seen results from your program and has lived through the culture? That's that's they, So that was easy for me. Hmm. So now, now, normally what happens is this. I've had, don't get me wrong, I've had some really bad hires <laughs> where someone comes in and, and they have all these certifications and it just never works out, man. As, as good as that can be, Look on paper. There's a lot of bad habits that come with that. If you get like if you get someone that's been in the industry for 15 years and they have all these certs, I'm I'm not too sure how well they can acclimate to anyone's system because they have a lot of bad habits. And trainers they love their programming. They love they're all egomaniacs at some level, which is fine. Uh, but it's it's really hard to uh, it's almost it's almost harder to to unteach bad habits. How much staff do you have at your gym now? We have nine coaches on staff, and oh, everyone wow. that works here is a coach. Wow. Okay. So how do you how do you like manage all of that? Because like, you know, I you know, don't. I would. I'd love to tell you. I, I, I don't do it by myself. I have two managers on okay. staff, and they they take a lot of the brunt of the work. But you know, it, it like I always talk about driving culture. You got to meet all the time, and you got to have a staff training. It's going to be once a week. You you can't go a month without meeting. You can, but weird things start happening where people start drifting off. If you have a core bunch of people, that's great. But over time, it starts to erode. You just need to keep everyone on the same page. And you can't do it over Skype. you got to meet belly to belly in the club at least once a week and talk about the good, talk about the bad, talk about the future, talk about any problems, and then give a lesson. Hey, by the way, I got uh, you know, I got Mike Boyle on Skype right now. He's going to give you three lessons. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, I have you know Todd Durkin. He's going to do a, a video chat with us. You know, just make it part of their job that we still have to train. We still have to sharpen the sword. But I, I attribute that all, all to a large part of why we've, you know, our staff has been on board for so long. Is we really don't number one never get stale. I let them be themselves. But more importantly, we meet all the time. We talk about what we're going to do, why we're going to do it. And they all have a say. They all have a say. So it's complete autonomy. So what's like a typical day for you now? I'm kind of curious of like how you manage your time. <laughs> well, with all my companies, I, uh, I mean, I'll get up as early as 6 a.m. I have my coffee and I just hit the computer. It's like the, the unsexy stuff, <laughs> you know, and what I do is I'll, I'll do that for at least two hours. 
if I'm in town, I'll head to the gym, you know, I'll meet with some of the staff and I'll just shake hands and kiss babies for about an hour. This, this also, I call it the where's Waldo. I walk through the club and I just keep my finger on the pulse and I just look for something to stand out that I don't like. And then I make a note of it. We have to meet on it or, or, or fix it, whether the music's too low. I don't like the type of music. The members don't like the type of music. I don't think the coaching's where it needs to be. Um, there's the, the, the floor's dirty. Uh, the, the lighting's not right. The energy's not good. Whatever it is, I just keep a, a, a pulse on that. I work out my staff at 11. And then I go right back to uh, hitting the phone and all my other responsibilities. But when I'm in, when I'm home, I'm in the gym every day, on some level. I'm not there at 5 a.m., but you know, I'm I'm here. That's a pretty stacked day. But like, if you had to give advice to someone who's like struggling with time management, because I find like a lot of new gym owners are just kind of like reacting to everything. So how do you kind of develop a better way to manage everything? (laughs) Okay, that's a a great question. The answer is you can't manage everything. Uh, A a human only has so many productive hours, and we all need to focus. So that might mean um, panning some of your responsibilities off to another staff member that you trust uh, and and things things that you aren't great at, things that you're struggling with. Pan that off. Pass it off to somebody else that can manage that better than you and free up more of your time to do the more effective things. You know, I know trainers very well like you. Here's what happens. Once you, once you take something off your plate, you'll just add something else on, which I'm fine with as long as it's something that you're good at and you're productive with. And let's just say, for example, that you're doing payroll and you suck at it and you're not good at it. You know, hire someone to do it. You know, or, or if it's – if it's a, let's just say you have someone on your staff that can – you know, pay your bills, whatever it is, you know, QuickBooks. I don't know. There's a zillion things, handle the schedule of employees. There's all these responsibilities that if you feel like it's slowing you down. You need to take it off your plate. And, and so and that's really just uh, leveraging other people's time to benefit you. And people will do it. I mean, you can find the right people, but you can't do it all yourself. It's impossible. So we like chatted a lot about like culture and things like that. And now kind of like the next layer that I look at it is being able to post that on social media. So for people out there who own gyms or an employee at a gym where their culture is tight knit, everyone's attracted to it. How do you kind of best promote that through social media without being like, you know, overly over the top or, you know, posting shirtless selfies of yourself? (laughs) Right. I, I, I always say, look at it through the lens of your consumer. Who is your consumer and what will they be attracted to? Me, for example, my demographics, believe it or not, it's somewhere between 40 and 65-year-old women. Uh, that's about 85% of all my members. So anytime we're posting, we're posting through that lens. So mostly everyone in our advertisements, when I say advertisements, our, our content, it's going to be similar type age. So they realize they can do it. But also we do a, a, a huge push with our testimonials of people within that demographic telling their story. And, and their results, what they get from the club. And, and things have to speak to that person. So if someone's between the ages of 40 and 60, think of like, what type of what type of pop culture would they like? What type of social media would they like? I'm sorry, what type of um, music would they like? And these things you can push through your social media. So, for example, I know that if you're between the ages of 40 and 60, you know what Star Wars is. You grew up as a Star Wars junkie. So I will add Star Wars type things to that to my content because I know that's, that's – your genre. I know that. 
I know that you know you were you know you were probably a, a, a teenager in the '80s, so I'll do a lot of '80s references. Like I know that's my customer, so I'm always looking through the through the lens of that consumer who they are. The, the practice is really easy here. All you do is you just find you know your your, your top 20 members, whoever they are. That's your demographic. The top 20 people in your gym that spend the most amount of money, that's who you're marketing to. No matter who they are, circle them, look through their lens, and that's who you're talking to. And have some fun with this. Remember, it's not just about here's your exercise of the day, here's your nutrition tip of the week. Have some fun with it. You know, and, and, and your, your members want to be attracted to people who are fun, who are like them. They want an escape from their mundane life. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I find that very easy, the whole mess. Messaging part, it, 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 it's about not doing what the guy down the street is doing. It's doing what is going to charm your potential customer. Love it. So now looking in the future, because I find like yourself and some other guys in the industry are kind of like the pioneers of the fitness industry. So I'm kind of curious on your thought on this is what's kind of the future for the fitness industry in like five years from now? Like what do you think you're, we're going to start seeing more of or less of? Well, I think I think you're gonna see a lot less of of cardio-driven franchise models um, because everyone's doing the whole, whole you know we got 50 people in a room we're all gonna jump around and get sweaty, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's gonna be on decline. I feel like the rise will be more in one-on-one training and more individual type attention type training. If you can manage 20 people at once and you could train them individually, if you can scale that, you'll, you're gonna be a rock star. But the whole I hate to use the word, I hate to use Orange Theory or F45, a lot yeah. of these brands, Barry's Boot Camp, where it really is just a bunch of people going from station to station, exercising. It's Listen, it's great, but that's going to be on decline because it's all really the same stuff. It's all Italian food. You got some lasagna over here. You got some spaghetti over here. You got some ziti over here, but it's really all the same shit. Let's be honest. And the differentiator is going to be in the personal attention of us knowing every person's name, having these community outings, um, making specific modifications and progressions to people so they feel special during the workout. They're just not thrown into the herd because um, it's, it's, it's going to get watered down, even more watered down than it already is. So I'm not against that stuff. I think it's great, but I just feel like if I was building a business today, I wouldn't build it based around a large group model because everyone's chasing that because it's easy to scale and it's going to be super watered down. And when it becomes watered down, all the prices start dropping to compete and then no one's making any money. But the money really is in the community. It's in the the, the specialization of making someone feel very unique, you know, whether it's just telling them, hey, Mr. Johnson, come over here. When you do those squats, just make sure next time you really – Watch your left knee. It's kind of buckling in. I'm going to keep it on you, but let's see how that looks. That's special. And you can't do that when you're training 50 people at once. It's impossible. All you can do is run around throwing high fives and chest bumps, which is great. But I would say uh, people aren't going to pay a lot of money for that in the future. No, fair enough. Really wise. Um, So the other thing I wanted to ask you too is like what's exciting you currently in the fitness industry that's making you to like F yeah, I can't wait for this or anything like that. Oh, so I'm, I'm like such a nerd. I love like video games and, and I know there's, it's not there yet, but there's a lot of virtual reality type fitness things coming out in the future. I've seen some glimpses of it 
And I can't wait for that. You know, for example, like when I say exercise, I said things not necessarily structured, but if you can like put a, a helmet on me and let me go to a warehouse and run around with a gun, like a, a, a fake gun. And I'm like living, <laughs> I'm living in Duke Nukem or nice. Halo. I mean, I, I'll do that for three hours. Now, that's exercise, you know, like you're hiding behind shit and, and, and shooting. And I, I would love that. But that's the future, man, where you take something like exercise and you don't even let people know they're exercising. It's a virtual reality. I would do that in a heartbeat. But that's the future, man. I would say, again, the next four or five years, that is going to explode because it's now it's straight fun, man. It's like laser tag, yeah. but you're in you're in destiny or halo. I would do that in a heartbeat, but I would do it every day. <laughs> yeah, I remember a couple. But that's of, the future, man. Yeah, like a couple of years ago, like randomly, my friends and I wanted to go play laser tag, and we ended up being the only people there. And like after an hour, I was in a full sweat. I'm like, Smoke. holy shit! Yeah, like that's right. awesome. Imagine laser tag, but like there's like zombies and like monsters <laughs> yeah. and like you know, hobbits running around. That'd be awesome, man. hundred no, percent. Um, so for the last question, cause we're coming up to our time here, but if people wanted to find out more about you and what you do, where can they find you online? What your social media handles are and what projects you have coming out, speaking gigs or anything else you want to plug on my show. You can right now. Oh, beautiful. Okay. So, uh, you could find me at, at by Frank, I'm sorry. It's by Frank That's my website. You can find me on Instagram at, at by Frank Nash. I'm all over Facebook. LinkedIn, you can find me anywhere. You can send a smoke signal and uh, and find me a, a messenger pigeon. Light a beacon. I'll I'll answer. But uh, I'm also uh, I'm speaking all the time. I speak at least twice a month. My my next speaking engagement is going to be in Arizona at the GSD show. Also, perform better the Orlando summit and the Chicago summit. I will uh, I'll be at Idea World. Um, yeah, just look me up, find me, and uh, I'd love to sit down and chat and talk shop. But, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of cool things in the industry happening. And, again, if I was going to invest in anything right now, I would invest in some sort of virtual reality-type fitness deal. So that's the future right there, man. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you. And, uh, and hey, all you gym owners out there, stay strong. Remember, drive culture, drive culture. One last quote. This is from the CEO of, uh, of Crunch Gym. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Remember that. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 235 with Frank Nash. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Quick little update. My book might be live this week. I am so excited for that. I really hope we figured out the issue I've been having. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for the announcement of my ebook that I've been struggling like crazy to get out but it will be well worth it and it's meant to be to come out this late so please be patient it's going to be worth it share this podcast tell your friends and family if you have any questions feel free to reach out hit the show notes add yourself to the pre-sale list if you haven't already add me on facebook because i post a lot of videos and you lovely people don't get to see what i post I do a lot of cool anatomy posts, a lot of cool videos, and awesome photos of my dog that's always looking at me to go give her food or to go walk her, so check that out. I'm going to continue giving you the best fitness and health advice, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are amazing.